Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week, we're talking about Verdi's La Forza del Destino, The Force of Destiny, Eric, which had its world premiere in St. Petersburg in 1862. Middle period Verdi here? Yes, a very small, intimate drama. (laughs) (laughs) He said very sarcastically. Quite the opposite, actually. Instead of focusing on what Verdi had done with small, intimate dramas, you know, Traviata and Rigoletto and operas that were focused on very specific characters. I mean, we have very specific characters here as well, but they're being buffeted about the world by forces beyond their control. So it's a big, grand, sweeping epic, which is a a new sort of a thing for Verdi, which would lend itself toward his trying on the French grand opera style later on with Don Carlo and Aida. And it's, you know, it shows him moving in different directions. We are in mid-18th century Spain at the beginning of this piece. Leonora is in love with Alvaro. Yes. A soprano and a tenor. (laughs) What a surprise. (laughs) And they are planning to elope. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, she says goodnight to her father, and she's waiting for him in her room to come and fetch her and whisk her away. And he does, in due course arrive. She hears the horses and he climbs in the window. Right, right, as one does. And then she sort of has a moment of hesitation that proves to be fatal, literally, because her father then comes upon them. He comes back into the room. He does indeed. And Don Alvaro, in attempt to make a gesture of his good intentions, he takes his gun and throws it to the floor to show I have no, you know, violent intentions. I mean, only peace. And as he throws his gun to the floor, the gun hits the floor and goes off and Uh-oh. shoots Leonora's father. <laughs> <laughs> and as the Marchese, as Leonora's father lies dying, he throws this curse on Leonora. Yes. For disgracing, dishonoring the family. Yes, as one does. <laughs> <laughs> because so. there is there is this intimation that Avro has seduced her, and that she is therefore a, you know a fallen woman, etc. Right. The irony is, of course, that that has not happened. Not at all. No. In fact, they were planning to to make it legal <laughs> before anything happened. So their intentions were completely honorable. But. He didn't think that way. His fa- her father did not think that way, and neither does her brother in the ensuing two acts. Three acts, excuse me. So that's the end of Act One. Right. And Act Two, Leonora and Alvaro have run away together. Right. They have lost each other. Right. Each thinks the other is dead. Don Carlo, Leonora's brother, knows that they're both alive. Right. And he is sworn to avenge the death of his father and the dishonor brought on his family by his sister. All right, so he's on their trail. So we find ourselves in an inn in in a village called Ornacuelos, and Don Carlo is disguised as a student, and he's sort of holding forth when Leonora arrives on the scene, herself in disguise, and she sees him and quickly steps aside to avoid being, being seen by him. Because he's looking for them, isn't he? Oh, boy, is he. <laughs> yeah, he, he has sworn vengeance, and he's not kidding. He means it. Then this gypsy woman, Preziosilla, Preziosilla yeah. turns up. 
What does she bring? She uh, brings news of war uh, on Germany, and she's basically trying to drum up support amongst the people there to... This is a war between the Italians and the Germans. Yes. It's being fought in Italy. Right. And she wants the, uh, the Spaniards to come join the Italians in fighting the Germans. And she sings a very lively aria, uh, Viva la Guerra, to drum rally up support. Right. Yeah, rally the troops and let's go fight. And then she tells the fortunes, being a, a good gypsy woman, she tells the fortunes of the, of the people in the inn. And she gets to Don Carlo and she tells his fortune and what does she tell him? I know you're in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not who you say you, you are. are. Right. The scene changes then to outside of a monastery. And Leonora has decided that she is going to enter the monastery and live out her days as a hermit. Right. She sings uh, an amazing aria, Madre Pietose Vergine is uh, the way it begins. Um, she gives voice to her, oh, she's, she's praying to, to, to the Virgin Mary to, oh my gosh, bring, bring me some peace of mind because she's just in abject misery all the time over the, the, the horrible turns her life has taken. And uh, she then, in, in the course of this aria, sings this long, arching phrase that takes her up and that we heard in the very famous overture to La Forza da Destino. We heard it repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And behind her, you can hear the chorus of the monks. And it's just, it's an amazing musical moment. It's just very passionate and very poignant and powerful, as only Verdi can be. And Verdi introduces the character here of Fra Melitone. Yes. Who is... He's our a, comic relief. Right. <laughs> he's our comic relief. And he's sort of... Um, he's a new sort of a character that we haven't seen in Verdi before. And uh, some would say he sort of points the way forward to Falstaff in his comedy. And that it's not... It's not pratfall comedy. It's not obvious. It's not like Rossini comedy. It's not screwball comedy. It's character-based comedy. Uh, the guy's kind of crotchety. He's kind of cranky. And uh, he's he's always played by a, a buffo baritone, which is the Italian tradition of comedic baritones and basses. And he's he's just he's introduced here to kind of leaven the plot a little bit. It's it's so unrelentlessly, you know, grim up to this point. Right. And so he relieves that a bit. Leonora is told by Padre Guadiano, who is the the father superior of the monastery, that. Right. She can live out her days here in this hermit's grotto, that he will bring food for her every day. She won't see anybody. She won't have to interact with anybody. And uh, she can spend her time alone with God. Right. And they end this act with one of the most supremely beautiful pieces of music Verdi ever wrote, La Vergine degli Angeli. It's a prayer with uh, Leonora as the solo soprano with the chorus of the men's chorus of the monks behind her. And it's just, you, you've just got to hear it to believe it. it. It's just amazing. Act three begins and we are no longer in Spain. We are in Italy. All righty. <laughs> just so you get your bearings. Yes, exactly. Because both Alvaro and Carlo in disguise have signed up to fight along with the rest of the, of the Spanish with the Italians against the Germans. Right. And so they've gone off to Italy, and they are fighting. Alvaro rescues 
Carlo. He hears these screams, he runs off stage, comes back with Carlo, having saved him from an attack. Right. And they become the best of friends. Yeah. Because... They don't know who one another is. Right. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> so Alvaro saves Carlo's life. They are now the best of friends. They sing, a, they sing a wonderful duet, Solenne in Questora, which they really swear fealty to one another as, the, as uh, almost blood brothers in a sense. Then Alvaro gets wounded. He's brought on on a stretcher. Carlo is there. And he says, Alvaro says to Carlo, do this last thing for me. I have this little chest, this little box. When I die, you'll find in there a letter. I want you to burn the letter without opening it. Don't read it. it. Don't read it. <laughs> Just burn it. Because <laughs> he doesn't think he's going to make it. He's, he's not sure he's going to make it. How does Carlo react? He, he gives his word that he'll do it, but he's suspicious because... Because as Alvaro is lying there wounded on the stretcher, Carlo, Carlo invests him with a, a medal. He gives him a medal, the Order of Calatrava, which, right. of course, is Carlo's family name. Right. And he notices that Al Alvaro shudders when he mentions that name. Because, of course, he's thinking back to having... Accidentally killed, killed the Marquis of Calatrava. Right. So Don Carlo, thinking that Alvaro is going to die, he's asked him to open this box, burn the letter, and as you said, he thinks back to that shudder. Yeah. And he thinks to himself, hmm. hmm. <laughs> I think this Could guy be? Th this guy might be my mortal enemy. <laughs> sure enough, he opens the box and there's a portrait of his sister. He doesn't have to open the letter because he sees this this miniature and it's it's Leonora. And of course that gives Alvaro away. In the meantime, Alvaro recovers. Oops. He doesn't die. And what happens? And he's found out, right. and Carlo has sworn to kill him. And so, you know, the chase is on again. We fast forward a little bit. Alvaro becomes a monk. He's taken the vows at the monastery, and he's become Father Raffaello. And Carlo follows him there, uh, has, has heard about this Father Raffaello, and asks after him. Carlo seems to have this intuition throughout the opera, doesn't he? As he to, sure does. As to where Leonora and Alvaro really are. Uh-huh. He's got Sherlock Holmes-like powers of, uh, of detection, apparently, because he, he has no problem finding them wherever they wind up. So he goes to the monastery and is introduced to Padre Raffaello. Yes. And recognizes him. Right. Padre Raffaello, now, how Alvaro, that is, has taken these vows and, and has taken them seriously, we presume, and begs him to renounce his, his vow of vengeance and even goes so far as to get down on his knees to beg him to do so. Carlo, and they go back and forth like this a couple of times, Carlo egging him on and egging him on. Finally, Carlo hauls off and hits him across the face. And that gets Alvaro's goat. That finally pretty much does it, yeah. <laughs> They're fighting. So the, this long-awaited duel actually happens. Yes. Of course, it's within a stone's throw of the hermit's grotto where Leonora is. Right. And she 
hears the, the sort of the fracas that's going on. She hears them at the climax of her aria, which is a very, very famous, Pace, Pace, Mio Dio. She's still praying to God, please grant me peace, because she hasn't found it. Even alone, by herself, with no human contact, she's still, her soul is just not wrecked with guilt. It's wrecked with guilt. Right. And she hears this. She hears people approaching, and she curses them and goes to see who it is, and well. And she hears Carlo's voice. He has been wounded by Alvaro and is asking for absolution. Alvaro runs to get help for Carlo and turns up at the grotto and knocks on the door, which, of course, is Leonora's door. Right. And she goes to, uh, to where he's dying, and this is off stage, mind you, and you hear her cry out because he recognizes his sister and stabs her. So even, even as he is dying, Carlo is still hell-bent yep. on avenging this family honor. And his dying gesture is to stab his sister. Yeah, swell guy, huh? And then he dies. Yes. And Alvaro is left to pick up the pieces. Good luck with that. (laughs) I guess that's destiny for you. There you go. See, you brought it right back around to what it's all about. So where is the strength, the excellence in this opera? You know, it's it's a long opera. Even by Verdi's standards, it's it really takes a while to to, to spool this thing out. Um, however, all along the way, it's got absolute Verdi at his absolute most uh, inspired best. Uh, amazing, amazing melodies. Madre pietose vergine, pace pace mio dio, la vergine degli angeli. Both of Preziosila's. Preziosila has uh, another aria called Rata Plan with the chorus that's just really rousing. Where another one where it's it's military based and it's you know evoking the the sound of the the military drums and it's rapid fire and it's quick paced and it's uh, bravura and it's 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 thrilling. And then you've got all these amazing duets between the the tenor and the baritone. It's just got a lot of musical meat to it. Verdi at his absolute best. And a great deal of good choral writing as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially for men's chorus. For men's chorus, the the monks, and then the the revelers in the uh, the inn in Act 2. Right. So this is Verdi middle period, as we said. Exactly. It does show him kind of looking forward again to uh, his his bigger framed operas like uh, Don Carlo, Aida, uh, The Sicilian Vespers. And at the same time, as we mentioned before, you've got Fra Melitone, which is a new kind of character for Verdi, sort of, you know, pointing the way forward toward Falstaff, which was his crowning achievement in his last opera. Verdi is La Forza del Destino. That's this week's opera cheat sheet. I'm St. John Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.